liberty. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, where your spirit is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of God tonight. Amen. Amen. So thankful to see you, to be together tonight. It's wonderful to come together. I'm thankful for that privilege, even so much the more after the last year. It's wonderful to come together. Amen. Could we just together lift our voice in praise tonight and adoration to the Lord? Jesus, we love you. We need you tonight. Come on, let's fellowship his spirit. Let's fellowship the Lord together. Lord, we love you. We need you. We worship you tonight. We praise you, O God. We look to you who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We can do nothing without you, Father. We come tonight desiring to worship you and in need of you. We can produce nothing of ourselves, Lord, but we acknowledge that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from you. We worship you, Jesus. We bless your name, the name that is above every name. We pray tonight, Lord, that you would be exalted in our worship. I pray that you would be lifted up, Almighty God, that all glory, all honor, all praise would ascend to you. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hitamande ye ananamasio reyamande le kieo. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hira la mayo lo sata. Ye lororri ala masata. Ye luritie ki arabayo lo bosanto rea. Ne litie le beki arata. I pray the unity of your spirit. We worship you, Lord. A clear sound, Lord. A clear sound, Lord. An anointing upon the mind, an anointing upon the ears, an anointing upon the heart and the spirit of each one. Nele di aramande ye kielo rotoye. 
Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. You are so very good to us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness, Father. We yield ourselves to you, Father. We yield ourselves to you. Submit ourselves to you, Jesus. To your spirit. To your word. To the working thereof. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. So good to see you tonight. Amen. I love the Spirit of the Lord that I feel here. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You can be seated. Uh, before I forget, just a couple of quick announcements. Um, I'm excited that next Thursday night... Uh, Brother Bruce Bartell will be with us, and uh, he's not a stranger to some of you, uh, but he has been a minister of the gospel for a long time. He's always a blessing anytime he's around, so he's going to be here next Thursday night. We'll be ministering, I believe. That's the plan of the Lord. We'll see what happens there, but looking forward to him being with us, and uh, he's coming up. He's going to spend the week with Bishop. They're going to get to some homes, and uh, he's got some desire, and feels like the Lord's dealing with him about some things there in California where they are in home groups, and so he's just sort of wanting to observe, so he's going to travel around with some, be in some different home groups next week, and uh, then he'll be with us on Thursday night, amen? So looking forward to that time with Brother Bruce Bartell. Um. Amen. Uh, also next, not next, this coming Sunday, uh, three days away, uh, we will be, as mentioned in thought, uh, we will be returning to a single service starting this Sunday. All right. Um, and right now, we are going to leave that single service time at 9.30. And uh, let me tell you why. All right, there's a, there's a why behind that too. I know that's a little earlier for some. Um, I guess the benefit is it gives you more of your afternoon and evening. Um, if you're a person that, that likes to sleep in, to me 7 a.m. would be really, really, really sleeping in. But... Um, I know for some of you that may be later, sleeping in may be later. Um, I don't remember the last time I slept till 7, but we're all wired differently. And I get that. Uh, but the reason we're looking at 9.30 and staying with that time is it, it does allow, if there's ministry moving between both this congregation and the Union Gap congregation, uh, that it still allows for that. So if Bishop is here... Uh, wants to be in both. Uh, there's been times along the journey where Elder Flowers has come and ministered here in the first service. It would still allow, we're trying to keep things in a manner that allows for that movement still. Does that make sense? And so um, I did not want to have a service at 2 p.m. Um, 
And so I think I'd shared that with some of you. I'd done that before, and man, that's rough. So, so for now, we will, we will continue to start single service, one service, Sunday at 9.30. Amen? Uh, we'll, the church will be open by 9 a.m. for prayer, and uh, we'll go into service at 9.30. Amen? And please help me get that word circulated. We'll get it on WhatsApp, but I know some people don't connect or don't read or miss it. Or, so the more people you can tell and help remind, the better. Amen? Praise God. Um, I had mentioned last Thursday night that I felt like we would stay in a vein for a while. I do still feel like that we're going to go into and stay in that vein, but we're going a different direction tonight. Um, I think we will continue um, in the doctrine and different things of the doctrine in the weeks ahead. So I definitely encourage you to continue to have notebook. Um, how many of you were able to be a part of the United service on Sunday? Excellent. It, what a tremendous time together in worship, in the word, in fellowship afterwards. Uh, my wife and I, when we got in the car and headed home, I was like, oh, my goodness, it is already 7 o'clock at night. Anybody else have that aha moment? And uh, But it's just wonderful to be together with the people of God. And I so enjoyed getting to visit and spend time together in fellowship. So thank you for being there, for all that you brought and did and bringing of yourself and entering in and worship in response to the word. Um, as I had mentioned Sunday, the Lord has been dealing with me in a train of thought. And I, I referenced the scripture there briefly on Sunday. And then Elder Nick Johnstone began to minister about humility. And it was a word of the Lord to the church in this hour. And him and I spoke afterwards and I began to share with things share with him things the Lord had been dealing with me about as recently as that morning. And there was just such a witness of the Holy Ghost as we felt in the word. And then he and I felt in talking. And, and some of you, uh, we've had some one-on-one -on -one conversations about some of these things we'll talk about tonight. And, uh, but I, we're going to sort of stay in the vein of the spirit that I felt like we entered into Sunday. It has not left me. There is something the Holy Ghost is wanting to do in us, the church. In order to truly use us without any limitations. And a key to that was ministered by the Holy Ghost through Elder Johnstone on Sunday. So would you go with me in the word to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start here with verse number three. Again, so glad to see you tonight. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Philippians chapter two, starting in verse three through verse nine. Let nothing, everybody say nothing. That means everything. Or no thing, no thing. Let nothing, let no thing. Be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. 
Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7, that's what I want us to notice. But made himself. Notice, made himself. Oh, we didn't turn that on, did we? I hope you're reading in your Bible. There it goes. Thank you, my dear wife. Verse 7. I know you got your Bible there. I look back there and I'm like, I'm on verse 3. What verse am I on? Verse 7. But made himself of no reputation. Everybody say no reputation. We're talking about the Lord Jesus here. Jesus made himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. I want to believe the Holy Ghost wants to talk to us tonight about becoming people of no reputation. Becoming people of no reputation. Um, Would you pray with me one more time? And could we ask the Lord to open our spirit And our ears to hear and receive what he wants us to hear and receive tonight. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, we need you. We need the ministry and the operation of your spirit and word. I pray, holy God, anoint my ears to hear. Anoint my heart and spirit to receive. Anoint these lips of clay, I pray. Use them for your purpose, God. Speak with us tonight. Let us receive that which flows from you that you are desiring to impart for your purpose and your work in the earth through your body. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name. He made himself of no reputation. Reputation is really a funny thing, isn't it? Um. I don't care what walk of life, saint or sinner. There's this idea of building and having a reputation. Um, You know, someone that is, there's a statement I heard when I was younger. I don't know if if it fits or applies anymore, but when I was younger, people that were trying to be tough and make a tough name for themselves, they were there was a statement that were made that they were trying to get what was called when I was younger, street cred. They were trying to build some type of reputation, right, for being something. That's a reputation. It's building a name so you're known as something. And I, 
I remember hearing through the journey of life the idea of whatever you do, make sure you protect your reputation. It's the only thing you got. Now, I understand the premise of that. Um, but the idea there, if we're not careful, is that we get focused on ourselves and building a reputation for ourselves. Really, a reputation is what you're known as or by. Does that make sense? What you're known as or by. When the scripture said Jesus made himself of no reputation, it literally is meaning he emptied himself because he was not trying to be known. You're saying, what? That's what it means. Jesus emptied himself because he was not trying to be known. We're going to look at Scripture. I'm going to prove this from Scripture. Now, to us, that, that sounds like, hold on, that can't be true. You mean Jesus didn't want to be known? Not as the man, Christ Jesus, he didn't. He didn't want people to be looking at a man. He didn't want people to get their focus on a man. He wanted all the glory to go to the Father. You would hear him make those statements. He didn't want people looking at an earthly vessel. And so he made himself of no reputation. That is so contrary to you and I. He was the King of kings, the Lord of lords, robed in flesh. And yet he chose to take on, when he came and revealed himself in the flesh, he chose not to take on the form of a king, but he chose to take on the form of a servant. Why? Because he did not want to be known as a man. Now, again, that's very contrary to us. We like to make names for ourselves. It's nice to be known. Isn't it nice when you walk in a room and people know you? Isn't it nice when God uses you and, and people recognize the Lord used you? Doesn't that make you feel good? Well, if we're not careful, we can start pursuing reputation. Now, I want to read these verses I just read here. I want to read them in the Amplified. If you'll just listen along with me. So Philippians chapter 2, again starting in verse number 3. But in the Amplified, hear the words here. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Selfishness is doing anything that seeks to draw attention to self. Or benefit self. Paul said to the church, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit through factional motives or strife. But with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourselves. Boy, that's tough. Because we live in a world that says, oh, no, first and foremost, I'm looking out for number one. That's the world we live in. But Paul, writing to the church, said, 
regard others as more important than yourselves. He wasn't saying have a low picture. Humility is not having a low picture of yourself. We should know who we are in Christ, but we regard others as more important. Now, verse 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but look out for the interests of others. Have this same attitude or mind in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility, who although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of the divine nature, the entire nature of God, he did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped or asserted as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it. But he emptied himself. He emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men He became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Christ is our example. Christ is our example. There is something that By the help of the Lord, through just a few scriptures tonight, I believe God is wanting us to see what it is to be of no reputation, what it is to not seek self-attention or self-glory, what it is to not seek credit. Not seek credit. That's a challenge for me. I don't know about you. That's a challenge for me. It's our competitive nature. I want to get credit. Right? You ever have somebody else get credit for something you did? Yep, I see. How'd that make you feel? Yeah. Siblings in the room, I can only imagine. Right, We in our human nature want to get credit. But as the body of Christ, when we're filled with His Spirit, the idea and the plan of God is that His Spirit so operates through us that anything and everything that's done of any value or goodness or worth, we come to clearly understand, I didn't do it. The Spirit of God that dwells in me, He does the work. Isn't that what Jesus said? It's not me that does the work. It's the Father that dwelleth in me. He was our example. He was saying, don't look at me, the man. It's the Spirit of God in me that's doing this. Give the glory to God. 
He was not seeking credit. And it's a fine line there that we can, we must be careful. Because we want a good reputation. We want to have a, we want to be known a certain way. But watch what Jesus did. Matthew, I want to run through a few places to see so clearly how the Lord did these things. Matthew chapter number 8, verse 1. And I'm going to go quickly here. Matthew 8 and verse number 1. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. So he already had a reputation, even though he made himself of not one. Crowds are following him. I'm going to say this. I believe that in this room, there are individuals that multitudes will follow to hear the word of God that you speak when you get to the place where you're not seeking credit or glory and it's all going to him. But he's got to be able to trust us with that. Because, hear me, if we don't get to a place of no reputation and God uses us in a great way, pride will destroy us. It'll destroy us. I know powerfully used people of God that the stage and the lights got big and bright. And because of that, they enjoyed the lights and the stage more than the depth of relationship with God and pride. They don't even realize how great the fall was, but they fell from truth and they traded truth and purity and holiness and righteousness for the bright lights and the stage and the crowds. Oh, they may be sharing the words still in some degree, but they've traded it in. Scripture's clear. Pride goes before destruction. And so, I, I'm compelled by the Holy Ghost. The Lord desire to use us is greater than our desire to be used. I'll say that again. The Lord's desire to use us is greater than our desire to be used. But he has to make sure we're postured so that his using us doesn't become the destruction of us. And this is the only way. What we were taught Sunday and these, this character and nature of the Lord Jesus that we see in Scripture here, it's the only way. It's the only way. So he was come down from a mountain. Great multitudes followed him. Verse 2. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Verse 3. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Now watch what Jesus says, verse 4. And Jesus said to him, See thou tell no man. What? Hold on a minute. Don't tell anybody. You know what? If the Lord used me to lay hands on somebody that was a leper, 
and I prayed in a moment and said, be clean, and their leprosy went away, Ooh, I'd tell somebody. Come on, you would too. Don't look at me like, oh, no, I'm humble. I would just go back to my closet of prayer and thank the Lord. And But you understand, I'm not saying if the Lord uses us, we shouldn't find a place of testimony when it's there. But we better be careful. If Remember what we read in the Amplified? Factional motives. What does that mean, factional motives? If I'm telling somebody how the Lord used me to draw glory and attention and honor to Him, that's a wonderful thing. But the Lord knows my heart and my motive. If my motive is to draw attention and glory to me and reputation... Let me tell you, man, let me tell you what God did. But knowing my motive is about, oh, I want to share my, I, you, know, I want to, you understand what I'm saying? Motive. No reputation. Not seeking attention. Not seeking glory. Not seeking credit. Only desiring for the Lord to be used who he will, how he will, and that he alone is glorified. Jesus did this miracle cleansing a leper and said, see, thou tell no man. He wasn't saying, don't tell them you're healed. He was saying, don't tell them who did it. Now, Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. I want us to see the character and the nature of Christ. Remember what Paul said in Philippians? Let this mind, this attitude, this way of thinking be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Mark chapter 7, verse 32. And they bring to him, that's Jesus, they bring to him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. Now watch what Jesus did. He took him aside. It's almost like Jesus said, okay, let me get you away from the crowd here. He took him aside from the multitude. He put his fingers in his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed, and he said unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway, or immediately, his ears were opened. The string of his tongue was loosed. And he spake plain. Verse 36. And he charged them that they should tell no man. What? That's right. Don't tell them who did this. Just give the glory to God. Tell them what great thing God has done for you. Don't tell a man about me. What was he doing? He was making sure as our example that there wasn't a pattern of trying to get people to talk about the man, Christ Jesus. It was about the works of heaven being done that the glory that God would be glorified. Skip over to Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And he come to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him. So we've had a leper. 
We've had somebody that was deaf and partially dumb. He took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town, and when he'd spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw aught. He looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again on his eyes, made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Again, the Lord Jesus was not telling him, don't tell people you can see now. They were going to figure that out pretty quickly, wouldn't you say? The guy that was deaf and dumb, they were going to figure it out pretty quickly that he could hear and that he could speak. The guy that had been a leper, they were going to figure it out pretty quickly that he was no longer a leper. What he was saying was, don't make it about me, the man. No reputation. I'm not trying to build a reputation for myself. I'm not trying to make a name for myself as a man. We see this example again. Let's keep reading verse 27. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. That's Philippians where we started. This is here we are. And by the way, he asked his disciples saying to them, whom do men say that I am? They answered John the Baptist, but some say Elias and others one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Peter answered and said to him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. Now understand, there was timing for the revelation of who he was. And revelation had to come by the Spirit of God, not by men going around broadcasting it. He was not wanting attention to be drawn to the man. Mark chapter 9. Verse number two, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, leads him up a high mountain apart by themselves. He was transfigured before them. His raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. There appeared to them Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elias. For he wist not what to say. For they were sore afraid. There was a cloud that overshadowed them. A voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. And suddenly when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore, save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen. Until the Son of Man were risen from the dead. I think we get the picture. Jesus was not wanting to draw crowds to a man. Yes, crowds came because of what God did in, with, and through the man, Christ Jesus. We know he was all God and all man. But his continued repeating, telling to the disciples and those that were miraculously healed not to tell anyone was about not drawing attention to a man. This can't just be something in our intellect. It's got to get in our spirit. I believe this is what Paul was saying when he wrote to the church at Philippi and said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
Let this way of thinking that was in Christ be in you to where you become so given to the Spirit of God that dwells in you that when the Spirit of God does a work, you don't turn around and try to draw attention to yourself, but you fully and completely give glory to God. You don't seek to build a reputation for yourself. You don't seek to make a name for yourself. I don't seek to make a name for myself. I simply seek to be postured for the Spirit of God to operate freely and Him to be glorified. That was the mind that was in Christ Jesus. Luke chapter 8. So we've had a leper, we've had a deaf and dumb man, we've had a blind man, we've had transfiguration, we've had revelation that he was the Messiah. And every time Jesus has said, don't tell anybody. Luke chapter 8 verse 49. While Jesus yet spake, there comes one from the ruler of the synagogue's house. Jesus was going with the ruler of synagogue, Jairus, to his house to pray for his daughter who was sick. While he spake, there come one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter's dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. When he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter, James, and John, the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her, but he said, Weep not, she's not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn knowing that she was dead. He put them all out. He took her by the hand, and he called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man. What was done? Now the question for you. Do you think they're going to be able to hide that she's alive? The scripture we just read said they knew she was dead. They laughed him to scorn because they knew she was dead. Don't tell anyone. Again, he wasn't trying to hide the miracle. You need to understand that. He wasn't trying to hide the miracle. He was making himself of no reputation. These are examples of what he did that made himself of no reputation. I'm not there. I'm not sharing this with you like I've got this figured out. I'm seeking this place in him to where he can work and get all the glory. And I'm not concerned with anybody knowing except that God did a work. This is where he wants us. This was the mind that was in Christ Jesus. But it takes an humbling of ourselves. An humbling of ourselves. And I promise you, if we continue praying and waiting on the Lord about the ministry that we received Sunday regarding humility, and we'll let this Word of God work in us 
to humble ourselves, to make ourselves of no reputation, not seeking a reputation, not seeking credit, not looking for attention or glory, simply posturing ourselves to be used of God for His purpose. If we'll begin praying and wait, I promise you what the Lord will do is He'll begin revealing things to us where He needs to work on us. And He'll reveal things to us where He can use us. I was... I was driving to Pullman on Tuesday. I had to go have a meeting that I did not want to have. Um, you ever have those at work? Uh, I had to have a very difficult conversation. Uh, thank God it, in time it ended well, and I thank God for that. But it was still difficult at the time to have. And... Uh, you ever have to have a difficult conversation and you have the conversation with yourself over and over in your head how you want to walk through it, talk through it? Okay. I, I do that some. I, I get to the point where I realize i got to stop talking to myself. I'm overthinking this. Stop. What i got to do is i got to just walk in and trust that the Lord will give me the words to say. But I was going to have this meeting and... Um, I went in, I, I had this idea of how I would communicate. After I shared the first thing, it did not go the way I thought it would, and it, it threw me. And uh, we talked for a few more minutes, left, and I went back to my hotel room. I was staying there overnight and uh, had to go into another meeting the next morning that was going to be fun. And, uh, and I went back to my hotel room and... Man, my heart was heavy. My mind was heavy. I was just, you know, you know how your job can do that to you sometimes. So I'm as human as you are. Job weighs on you some days. And so I'm back in my room and I'm weighing that. And I, and I, I talked to the Lord about it. I prayed about it. Prayed for the individuals involved. And still heavy, but like the Lord gave me peace to go to bed. Went to sleep. Rested. Woke up when he woke me up. Went to prayer, talking again about the night before and what was ahead of me in a little bit that morning. And as I was praying, the Lord dealt with me. Um, not in the manner I would have expected. And the Lord began dealing with me about the night before in a conversation and it's like he took me back to the drive to Pullman. You know, it's three and a half hours to Pullman. And I didn't spend that whole time, but I spent a lot of it walking through that conversation and thinking about the individuals involved and responses and back and forth. And, and uh, here's an example. I have a reputation, right? I have a reputation in the company that I work for of being able to talk with people and work with people and navigate difficult things and do it in a way that helps people make the journey without destroying them. Um, now, you and I know that that is the Spirit of God, not me. You understand that? That's not some unique talent I have. 
except it be a talent, like the Scripture talks about, given of the Lord. Well, the Lord began dealing with me about that. He said, you know, you walked through all that. How'd that go on your own? I'm like, well, Lord, I wasn't on my own. You were, you were with me. I, I prayed about it. He goes, oh, yeah, you prayed about it. You prayed about it. But because I've gifted you to be able to do that, it's real easy for you to rely on your own ability in a moment and not even realize you're doing it. You were serious Sunday about praying about being humble? Well, he had my attention. See, it's so easy to rely on reputation. And so I began to repent there that morning in my hotel room and declare, Lord, I, I can't do it. I really can't. I need the wisdom that comes from you. I, I need the counsel that comes from you, even on my job. I, I, I can't do my job well on my own ability. I need you. And I began to pray differently about the situation. Man, I walked in. It's hard to believe that something could change overnight. But I'm telling you, it was day and night different. No pun intended. It was day and night different from the evening before to that morning. And the things that have happened even in the couple of days since. Day and night different communication I received. And the whole time the Lord's been saying to me, this is the difference in you humbling yourself or you operating in your ability. And it's so subtle. It's so subtle because there's some things you do all the time and it's giftings I've put in your life that you operate in that you don't even recognize sometimes that you're just saying, maybe not verbally, but you're saying, Lord, I got this. I've done this enough times. That's pride. That's arrogance. That's self-righteousness. And so, no reputation. No reputation. Now, the Lord gives us gifts. We just better never forget they came from Him. Amen? Now, I'm finishing here. Um, I want us to see a couple more things of the character of Christ. Isaiah 53 and 7. Isaiah 53 and 7. This is speaking of Jesus. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. This was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, by the way, we're talking about, robed in flesh. He was oppressed. <coughs> Excuse me. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Are you kidding me? I promise you, somebody starts pressing on me and I got a right to say something, I'm going to say it. Really? Why? Because I'm protecting my reputation. Oh, yes, that's right. 
That's right. You understand tonight, I'm not saying that we should let people walk on us. But we need to recognize the approach Jesus took because he recognized what's happening is a part of the ministry I'm called to walk in. And this is how I'm supposed to be functioning for the purpose of the Father. I'm not opening my mouth. I think it was Abraham Lincoln that gets credit for making a statement. He said, it's one thing to be called a fool. It's another thing to open my mouth and prove it. Now, I'm not calling anybody a fool. You understand? What I'm saying is, in our humanity, we can learn a lot from Christ's example. Sometimes when we're oppressed and afflicted, we decide, you know what, I'm going to say something. And we can destroy our whole testimony, really a testimony that should bring glory to God. We can destroy it in a moment. By opening my mouth. I need the wisdom of God. No reputation. The king of kings did that. Matthew 11. And 29. 28. Matthew 11, 28. Jesus said, you've heard this before. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Take my yoke upon you, and watch what he says, and learn of me. Learn of me. I'm an example for you. Learn of me. Take my yoke and learn of me, for I am, notice what he says, I am meek and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't it interesting? He didn't say, come to me, your labor, your heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, learn of me, for I'm strong and powerful. It's not what he said, is it? He said, I'm meek and I'm lowly. Learn of me, and you'll find rest for your soul. See, this is the deception of the adversary. i got to be strong. I'm meek and lowly. Jesus said, learn of me, and you'll find rest for your soul. Two more scriptures. First Peter chapter 2. I'm wanting us... I'm wanting us The Holy Ghost is wanting us through these pictures of Christ, these examples of Christ, to see the pattern of his life, of his nature, of his approach. And it mark our spirit. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 21. It gets personal here. 1 Peter 2 and 21. For even hereunto were you called, colon, Now he's going to explain why you were called, for what you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. His suffering was an example for us. It wasn't just for us, it was an example for us. Leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, 
neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live to righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. We were sheep going astray. But the one who made himself of no reputation is the reason we were returned to the shepherd and bishop. If he was willing to make himself of no reputation to do that for us, should I really be concerned about building a reputation for myself? Really, who should all the credit go to? Pretty simple, isn't it? Stand with me. Turn to John chapter 3 while you're doing so, please. John chapter 3, or I'm sorry, 13. John chapter 13. And verse number 3. John 13, verse 3. Again, the example of Christ. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Now, that's an interesting way to start the verse, isn't it? So Jesus wasn't blind to who he was. We, we understand that, right? He knew exactly who he was. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Oh, he's getting ready to demonstrate his power now. He's getting ready to show who he is now. And that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper. And he laid aside his garments. Watch. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Almighty God, robed in flesh. He who had for three and a half years done mighty miracles, had demonstrated the power of God, had raised the dead, opened blinded eyes, opened deaf ears, healed the leper, cleansed the leper, miracle upon, made the lame to walk, made those with palsy whole, miracle after miracle, knowing the Father had given all things to him. He got up from the table. He laid off his garment. And the Bible says he took a towel. And girded himself. After he did that, he poured water into a basin. And the king of kings. I hope we're getting this tonight. 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords began to wash the disciples' dusty feet. You got that picture? And then he started wiping them with the towel that he'd girded himself with. And he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? He was asking a sincere, are you, you're going to do this for me? You're, whoa, hold on a minute. You are going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do, you don't know now, but you'll know later. You'll know hereafter. Peter said unto him, You shall never wash my feet. See, Peter recognized who he was. Peter was struggling with the Messiah humbling himself. You'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Peter said to him, Lord, then not my feet only. (laughs) At least he had a change up. Then, Lord, don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands. Wash my head. I want to part with you. I want to be a part with you. So if you're saying that's what it's got to take, then okay, I'm in. Go ahead. Jesus said to him, he that's washed need not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, you understand, he washed all of the disciples' feet. You understand, he came to Judas and washed Judas' feet. He didn't skip over Judas, who was going to betray him. We know Judas was there because he said, you are clean, yet not all. Judas hadn't left the room yet. He washed Judas' feet. Don't talk about humbling yourself. The King of kings and the Lord of lords washed the feet of the one that was going to betray him. After he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and was set down again, he said to them, You know what I've done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. See, he wasn't denying who he was. For so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. 
No reputation. No reputation. No credit. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Would you find a place and talk to him? And let him deal with mine and your heart tonight. And mark our lives in this way that he's wanting to. He's wanting to use us like never before. It is the time for the church, the body of Christ in the earth, to be made manifest to the world. And if the body of Christ is going to be made manifest to the world, we will not be seeking to build a reputation for ourselves. We will not be seeking credit for what He's doing in us, with us, and through us. We will simply be yielded servants seeking to bring glory to God. God, forgive me for seeking credit. Forgive me for seeking attention. I would that you would be glorified. Talk with him. Let the love of God wrap about you. Let the love of God minister to you. And as the Lord would lead you tonight, I think it would be good that you, as you transition as he leads, that you and I would begin to pray one for the other, submitting ourselves one to the other in the fear of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The way the Lord dealt with me on Wednesday morning after the night before that I shared. Felt like the Lord asked me, do you know why? Do you know why that conversation weighed on you so much? I was like, well, yeah, Lord, I was concerned about how they felt. I was concerned about how they would respond. I was concerned about. Like the Lord spoke to me and said, you were concerned with what they'd think about you and how they'd feel about you afterwards. You were concerned about them, but your greater concern was how it would make you look. I didn't really want to confront that. I wanted him to. And the Lord dealt with me and said, if you're doing what you know is right, that you're supposed to do, why are you worried about how you look or what people think? He said, it's because you're worried about your reputation. I... These things have been stirring in my heart for some time. The Lord has been working me over in a good way. And uh, I was in a conversation with Sister Brittany after service here one Thursday night a few weeks ago. And the Lord had been dealing with me, and she shared a, she made a statement that only, you know how when God's dealing with you about something, somebody can say something and it just sort of keeps driving home the way God's dealing with you. That's the affirmation of the Spirit of God and the love of God continually speaking to you. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. And uh, she said, you know, I just don't care what people think anymore. She said at work, I, and some of you have heard her say this in different settings. She said, I, I, I just decided I don't care what people think. If the Lord asks me to do something, I'm going to do it. She so said, you know, Jesus spit in the dirt, made clay, and put it on somebody's eyes. I was like, yeah, he did. She said, you know what? If he asked me to do that, I don't want to worry about what anybody thinks. I just want to do it. That's no reputation. See, here's what happens. We go, man, is that God or is that me? Is that God or is that me? Oftentimes, really what we're saying is, if that's God, how's that going to make me look? Is that God or is that me? No reputation. No reputation. Again. We're not going out trying to destroy character, right? We need a pot. We need a testimony. 
Our lives are living letters known and read of all men. So we're not trying to go out there and destroy the living letter. You understand that's not the, the way we're talking about no reputation. It's just not seeking credit, attention, empty of self. I just want everything to go to him. All attention, all glory, all honor, all credit, all, all to him. Amen. Praise God. May the Lord bless you richly and abundantly. Thank you for being a part of the body. It's a privilege to be so with you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.